Welcome back to Talking PFAS. And if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We're now on iTunes, by the way, so please feel free to leave a review at the end. I'm your host, Kayleen Bell. Every episode of Talking PFAS, I'll be bringing you a candid conversation with a wide range of guests, including people who live or work in contaminated zones, politicians who work with these communities to try to get solutions, firefighters who have worked with these chemicals for decades, fishing communities who have had to face closures because of PFAS in their fishing environment, remediation experts, researchers who are trying to come up with solutions, scientists, medical professionals, toxicologists, hydrologists, the list goes on. There is a lot to talk about when it comes to this issue, and that's why I wanted to start the podcast. I'll also be digging deep to answer the questions flying under the radar. And please feel free to send me your questions at talkingpfas at gmail.com. Today I'm bringing you a story of a lovely couple, Pam and Len O'Connell. Their story is just one of hundreds around Australia. Three years have passed. We're stuck with this mess. Our property's contaminated, our blood's contaminated, everything in the area is contaminated. Nothing's being done. I hope that they can find a solution and get moving on doing something for the community. Everything's done on the base, but nothing in the community. They've been affected by PFAS contamination coming from the RAF base Williamtown. When Pam and Len's water results came back, it confirmed that two out of their three bores were contaminated with PFAS. They've been living in salt ash for 28 years. They came down to help Pam's mother, who was a dairy farmer at the time. The property has been in Pam's family for 100 years. Pam's mother worked hard to keep the property running on her own so she could hand it over to her children as an inheritance. Pam and Len had the same dream, to work the farm and hand it over to their children. But now, they're desperate to leave. So you are one of the residents that wants to get out of the area, is that correct? Our place is contaminated, the soil's contaminated, the surface water's contaminated, our bloods are contaminated and our bores are contaminated. So there's not much there that's not contaminated and we just don't want to live on contaminated land. Where is your property situated, Pam? On Nelson Bay Road, Salt Ash. Have you just got one property, Pam? No, two next door to each other. How long have you been a beef farmer? Well, I'm not really a farmer, (laughs) but we were left the farm. The the farm's been in the wife's family for over 100 years. A, A grandfather was born on the property in 1900 and and Pam's mother bought it off her uncle in um, 1960. We spent weekends and school holidays. The kids used to come down. But uh, to live, we come in uh, 1989. Is that when the property became yours? No. We come down to help the mother-in-law. She started to get a little bit of dementia. We come down to help her and, you know, keep her on the straight and narrow. <laughs> so you looking after the farm and her with dementia. Yeah, yeah. Can I just ask how large the farm is? It's 220-odd acres. It's not a big farm, but it's not a small one either. You need at least that much ground to, to farm. Pam's mother was still milking, and we helped her. We didn't do the milking, but we did all the other work. We made the hay. We helped her with the cows. 
but she milked. So dairy yeah. farm. Yeah. yeah, she was a dairy farmer. But then deregulation come in and um, dairy farming was unprofitable. The amount of money you, uh, she was receiving wouldn't pay for the feed for the cattle. So she uh, stopped milking and went to beef. How many yeah. cattle do you have? Oh, roughly uh, all up about 100 head. It varies a bit, yeah, but roughly 100 head. When did you inherit the property? 2011. And can you tell me about the personal loss of this property to you, Pam? Because this property, as Len said, has been in your family for 100 years. So what's the personal cost, you know, as far as loss goes? I know for a fact my mother bought it to get it back into our family off a cousin. And she worked until she was in her 70s or nearly 80s. My father died when he was 50, and she did it all on her own. Like, my brother died when he was in his 20s, and she was there battling on her own. That's why we came down. All I can say is she uh, passed away in 2011, and I'm glad she hasn't seen all this for what she did to keep it. She never knew it was contaminated? No. That's really good that she didn't know. Because it would have broke her heart. Yeah. yeah. So, Len, when did you become aware of the PFAS contamination on your property and how did you become aware of it? Well, there was an article in the paper in September in 2015 and they called a meeting at the Stockton RSL Club and we went down there and uh, they'd give us a map. Our property wasn't in it, but at our front gate, we had a red dot, and this red dot meant contaminated surface water. We asked them, how come we've got this red dot? They said, oh, it must, might have been a car accident, and they've sprayed. And I said, well, we haven't had a car accident here. You didn't get an answer? Well, at, at this stage, we didn't. But a, a week or so later, the red zone is extended, and we're in it. Let's talk about the day that you realised you were in it. Tell me what went through your head when you discovered that it was contaminated. Well, confusion. You know, it was hard to comprehend, you know, like we didn't know what PFOS was. We didn't know that whether we were contaminated, the property was contaminated. They started testing. They tested our bore water, our tank water. It took months. They wouldn't give us an answer. We were pestering the testing people at the RAF base. We had a phone number and we'd ask them uh, our tests back and say, no, they haven't, we haven't got the test results yet. How was that waiting for you? Oh, well, we just didn't know. We didn't know whether we were contaminated, whether it was a, something just in the drain at our front gate. So uh, did that create anxiety for you? Oh, it did, yes. Yeah. Yeah, like you're still thinking about it. But in the early days, you, you didn't understand how serious it was. How yeah. long did it take for your results to come back on your property, whether it was we, contaminated? We, we emailed the local um, Salt Ash First group and they pestered the CRG meeting uh, to get our results. And that was about four months. Four months. How would you describe your reaction? Oh, well, at this stage, we've sort of 
knew we had to be contaminated because we'd been flooded since 1990 by the Moors drain. When you had that very, very long wait of four months waiting to know if the property was contaminated, did you believe, like Len, that your property would be? Yes, because, you know, the mark out the front and when they were saying that the Moors drain was a problem... Well, we knew that run through our place and that's where the flood water was coming from. So there was no doubt in your mind? Yeah, we sort of knew. <laughs> so, but then when you did actually get the results, mm. was that a hard thing to take? Well, it's a fact then, you know, that it's real. And, and by that time, you were sort of hearing what could happen, you know, the uh, with it, your blood and all that could be affected and things like that. So... Uh, it uh, sort of hit home a bit. <laughs> One year we were flooded six times in the 12 months. When it floods your property, how deep is the water? Oh, waist deep. Waist deep? Waist deep. Are you having to walk around in that water? Yeah. Well, we've got to get the, bring the cows in to feed them. There's a few little high spots and around the houses and that, and uh, we've got to get the cattle there to feed them because everything else is underwater. On a fact sheet by the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries in June 2018, they say globally PFAS are emerging contaminants, which means there is a lot we do not know about how these chemicals affect animals and what impacts they may have. This New South Wales Department of Primary Industries fact sheet also says animals can be exposed to PFAS through the consumption of contaminated surface water, groundwater, feed... Or soil, And the key to reducing your animal's exposure to PFAS is to provide drinking water that is not from a contaminated bore or surface water source, like dams, drains, rivers and creeks. So when it's flooded, your yeah, cows are drink drinking the surface the water? flood water, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I rang the EPA to try and find out how contaminated the water was in the Moors Drain because the Moors Drain runs through the back of our property. After a heavy rain, water comes off the RAF base, it floods our property and all the properties along Nelson's Bay Road between the RAF base and Richardson Road. You imagine a kilometre of water two foot high. That's what comes over the Moors drain when we're flooding. It's a lot of water. Yeah, when I rang the EPA about the contamination in the Moors drain, I was told by the EPA that the water was clean, I could drink it for the rest of my life, even clean my teeth in it. And anyway, I nearly fell off the chair when they said that because at this stage we knew that Tilligary Creek was contaminated, so the only way Tilligary Creek could be contaminated was water coming down the Moors drain. A spokesperson from the New South Wales EPA said the Environment Protection Authority first notified the community of PFAS contamination from the RAF base in 2015 and issued advice for people living in the area, which included Moore's Drain. New South Wales EPA confirmed that Department of Defence installed a water treatment plant to treat PFAS from water leaving the RAF base and entering Moore's Drain. They did this in June 2017. The community were notified of the contamination in 2015, but Defence have admitted they knew of the contamination in 2012. Spokesperson from the EPA said managing PFAS contamination around defence bases is challenging 
as the EPA has no authority to regulate or direct the Commonwealth. And where does the water coming down Moore's Drain come from, Len? The RAF base. The contaminated water comes from the RAF base. And it flows through Moore's Drain? It, it drains the northern part of the RAF base. Pam and Len were concerned about the high levels of PFAS in their blood and they wanted their cattle tested to see if it was safe to eat and also if it was safe to sell. We um, got in touch with the Department of Primary Industry. We wanted to get our cattle tested. So... Anyway, two vets come to test the, to to talk to us about testing the cattle. Uh, we showed them the PFOS level in the water. They said, "Don't drink, uh, don't let your cattle drink the water." I said, "Look, we've got no other water to give them." They, they said they didn't want to test our cattle because they didn't have a test, and they didn't want to affect the clean green image of Australia, the beef, you know, like uh, beef prices were good at, the, at, the, at that time. They didn't want to affect the beef prices. The New South Wales DPI spokesperson confirmed that no cattle have been tested in New South Wales. Also, they say there are no Australian or international restrictions on the production, movement or sale of animals or animal products from areas affected by PFAS. They also made the point of saying that many of Australia's trading partners are also managing PFAS-contaminated land issues. They just didn't want to test the cattle. What they told us to do, don't eat the meat. We used to kill our own meat. We had cool rooms and all the equipment to cut it up, so we can't use that now. These two vets... Mm. Did you source them independently or did somebody send them? No, they were um, DPI vets, Department of Primary Industry vets. So you've rung up the Department of Primary Industries and said, could someone come and test my cattle? And they've sent two vets out. Do you know the names of the vets? Oh, I do. Okay, but uh, you'd rather not say? I'd rather not. I'll confirm with Department of Primary Industries. Do you have anything in writing about what they said to you? All they told us to do was don't eat the meat, get rid of your cattle, don't keep them too long. In an email from the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries, a spokesperson responded to my questions and said, in January 2016, two veterinarians from the Hunter Local Land Services visited a cattle grazier in Williamtown. The visit was in response to the landholders' concern regarding home consumption. The vets advised the grazier against consuming the animal. I checked with Len after I received the email response from DPI. He confirmed that two vets from Hunter Local Land Services had come to his place over concerns about whether his cattle was safe to eat. And then at another meeting, the Department of Primary Industry, we were told... Uh, if we put our cattle on in clean, on a clean paddock, six weeks they'd be PFOS free. And and someone from Department of Primary yeah. Industries told and you I, that. I said to the woman, "Are you for real? You know, do you know what you're talking about?" We had a, a, an altercation. <laughs> the New South Wales DPI spokesperson also confirmed that a DPI veterinarian attended a community information session in Williamtown in 2016 to provide advice and support to affected landowners. The New South Wales DPI spokesperson also said there is limited published research on this area 
However, it appears that when animals have access to alternate water and food, their PFAS levels reduce over time. The rate that PFAS levels will drop will depend on the animal's species, age, sex and reproductive status. Has there been a big financial impact? I know you can't use bore water for your animals. Mm. What are some other financial impacts that you've personally suffered? Oh, well, we can't kill the meat now. I have to go to the supermarkets or the butcher and buy it. And we're buying vegetables, whereas Leonard used to have a garden. What was in that garden, Pam? Oh, he'd grow cucumbers, tomatoes, or everything you eat, you know, and... He'd have watermelons, anything like that. Did you normally have to get vegetables and fruit? Not a lot. (laughs) And by killing your own meat, you're saving a lot of money. That's where your grocery bill goes up when you go to the meat section. (laughs) So you've had increases in your grocery bill. Do you pay for town water? We've been connected, but the RAF's paying it, or Defence, for a few years. So I don't know what will happen because we're watering the cows with that. So you have no idea in a few years' time, if they don't fix it and compensate you, you have no idea how much you'll be paying for water? No, not when you're watering uh, 80 to 100 normally head of cattle and you get the summertime. I don't know what they would drink. How many litres would a cow drink? That's a lot. Of course, we had the our bore at the house was down deeper. It wasn't contaminated. So we were standing out there when we had, were told to not give them the contaminated bores, we were told to put bathtubs there. Well, we had 10 bathtubs and you're out there for hours filling them and you'd just get them full and they'd come along and drink it on you so you'd be there again. I was spending half a day out there. And you're filling up the bathtub from your tank? It was from the bore at the time because that one was down 60 feet. From the tests, it wasn't contaminated, so they said we could use it. Is it contaminated now? Well, we don't know. They haven't retested it. But we were drawing that water for the cattle for how long was it, Lynn? Twelve months. Twelve months. What did the cattle drink before? Because you wouldn't have been filling up bathtubs before. How no, would... they had troughs that were filled by the bores, two different bores that were only down 30 feet. It had an automatic filler. If they had a drink, it fills and (laughs) the pump cuts in to supply the trough with the water. They've hooked the troughs up to the town water. I asked the the defence girls out here when they said our water bill was going to get paid. That was a relief, but it only lasts three years. (laughs) So we don't know what happens after that. So you're still going to be connected to town water in three yeah. years, but yeah. you you think that you'll be paying for it. Yeah, well, that's what I think that's going to happen, but hopefully we'll be gone by then and bought out. <laughs> Have you had cancers in your animals like we heard about today? When Pam's mother was milking, we used to get a, an odd cow, it'd get a cancer on its back. Have you had sick cows? Not really, because we don't keep them long enough. They're young cattle when we sell them. We don't keep old cattle. Have you suffered any health effects, by the way, because you've been working in that water? Well, not, not that we know of. We've never drunk bore water, only the cattle. We had, we've got tank water, and the tank water tested clear. What did your blood level reading come back as? Well, the PFAS level, that's the three that you had together. Yeah, the PFAS is 189.2. So how do they relate to the rest of Australia? Do you have any idea? 
Oh, well, at my age, uh, you know, like it should be around, you know, 25, 30, something like that. Is that the total number should be around 25? Yeah, yeah. The Australian Government Department of Health have a fact sheet that they give to GPs to interpret the blood test results. This says that no valid reference ranges exist for PFAS in humans. They are using figures from 2011 to 2012. For a person who's 61 plus years, for PFOS it should be 37, and for PFOA it should be 10. But remember, these are man-made chemicals with unknown consequences, and therefore many would argue should not be in our blood at all. How did you feel when you saw those? Oh, well, I was devastated. 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 And has your GP commented on these results or have you had good advice? They don't know. And they say that that, uh, there's no known uh, effects of it, but I'd like to be around, you know, like the the average, yeah, 30, 25, 30, Mm -hmm. like it should be. So when the government talks about there's no health effects from this chemical, how do you feel about that, Pam? Oh, disgust. Why does it disgust you? Why, why do you think? Well, all those people with cancer along Cabbage Tree Road. I met you at the PFAS Parliamentary Inquiry in Williamtown on the 24th of July. Could I just ask you what you thought of today's inquiry? Um, well, I've, I've got mixed feelings about it. Yeah, like I know most of the people that were speaking and I know their story and they tell the truth. But when it comes to defence, we've heard this BS for the last three and a half years or three years and they just don't change their story. It's just more testing, more uh, this, more of that and they won't take responsibility for any of it. Well, today they took responsibility. But they're not doing anything. They've had three years and all they've done is a little bit of testing. And the testing that they do, uh, I call it selective testing. We were flooded. We asked to be tested, the, the, the flood water to be tested. They left it for over 12 months before they'd come and test it. When they come to test for the surface water, there was nothing on the property. We were hard-pressed to find enough water to test. What did you think of the way the committee uh, dealt with the submission, people that gave submissions today? Did you think the committee was fair or...? Oh, I think so, yes. Yes, yeah, like... uh, uh, yeah, like, uh, I think they tried their best and, um, um, yeah, they, they listened to w- what the people had to say. Was that new or have you had committees do that to you before? Did they seem to have a different yeah. response? Well, we went to the Senate inquiry in Newcastle and it, it was similar. Do you expect to get results from today? On past experiences, no. They, they're just fobbing us off and... They just don't want to know. They don't want to do anything. It's three years since uh, they let the cat out of the bag. What do you hope will come out of the inquiry today? This is the second one, I believe. And what do you hope will happen from today? I, I hope that they can find a solution and get moving on doing something for the community. Everything's done on the base, but nothing in the community. All we've got is the water and our blood. We had to fight for our blood tests. When you say get on and do something, what do you want 
the government or defence to do for you and and who do you think should do it? Well, I think defence admitted that they polluted us today. So, therefore, I think they should bear some of the responsibility of getting us out of this area, buyouts. Can I just ask you, do you think they should bear some of the responsibility or all of the responsibility? All of it. They should pay for the lot, I suppose, but it's a lot of money. As I said one day at the meetings, if you just ordered one less plane, you'd probably buy us all out. And they didn't like that. (laughs) What was your hope for this property? Well, the boys have took over looking after it and we hope to hand it on to them. Like my daughter, she lives away on the Victorian border and she's got her life and she doesn't want to bring doesn't come home very often because she doesn't want to bring the grandchildren near at all because one of them's got skin allergies and, you know, so they don't, they come home maybe once a year, you know. Uh, and did they used to visit more often? Oh, maybe a couple of times a yeah. year, you know. Yeah. They'd, whenever they could get up, they'd come, but they don't like coming now. Some people don't come around like they used to, relatives and that. And how old are you, if you don't mind, and you don't have to say? I'll be 70 in a few months. And I didn't get how old Len was. 75. So you two should be enjoying your golden years. We did plan on going away. We bought a caravan to go away, but lately, every time we go to go away, there's a meeting on, so we don't get there because we... Don't want to miss anything, fear something happens. Do you think that maybe it's time to just go away and travel and, and catch up later? Because aren't you hearing the same information? We are. We've learnt that you just get the same same old story every meeting. They're doing testing and they're doing things, you know. We think if we miss that meeting, that might be just the meeting they're going to tell us something, you know. So you go along and you get told the same old what are you waiting to hear, Pam? They're going to buy us out. Boys want to buy another property and get the cattle out of it. That's what they want. their hopes are. <laughs> yeah. What has been the effect for you in your family? Well, they're, they're, we're all contaminated. The two boys, they work the farm with me. We only work it part-time. They work weekends after work. They, they do a lot of the work, and their levels are just a little bit lower than mine. Uh, do they still want to come and help you on the farm? Well, they live on the farm. They're still at home. Mm. Have they wanted to leave, Len? Well, they're, they're looking at buying their own property. In the area? No, no, no. Well outside. And that'll be tough for you, right? Oh, well, we want out too. Obviously, there's many things that people need and they're all mm. different. But what is it that your family needs? We need the buyout. And that's the only solution that we come to the farm to you know, spend the rest of our lives, retire there, spend the rest of our lives. We built a big new house, uh, spent all our money, and until they buy us out, we're stuck there. Who but, should buy you out? Well, it should come out of the defence budget. They, they, you know, they can find billions for this and billions for that, uh, seven billion for six drones. That's what was advertised. That's what came out a couple of weeks ago. They're spending, spending hundreds of billions on submarines and warships. How, I don't know how much they're spending on the these new strike aircraft. 
One last question. To anyone listening that maybe thinks, and I know there's some people out there that don't know much about PFAS, and they do have an opinion as, um, oh, well, you know, what does it matter? There's no real health effects. The government's saying there's no health effects. But what would you say to people that maybe aren't aware how serious this is? What would you like to say to them to help them understand? You can't understand what it's like until it happens to you. When it happens to you, 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 you it's it's unbelievable. You know, like you've lost everything. You, you've got nothing. Do you fear for your future? Well... Yeah, like, my life's almost over. Uh, but, yeah, like, uh, I've got two boys that are in their 40s, and, yeah, like, their readings are as, nearly as high as mine. If they stay on the farm, um, I, I just don't know. I, I hate to think. We've got to stick together. That's the only way we'll get through it. Thank you very much for talking with me, Len. Audio, thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please download and share so more people can hear this. Next episode, I'll be bringing you a conversation with the Labor member for Port Stephens, Kate Washington. She's been working with the Saltash, Fullerton Cove and Williamtown communities in New South Wales for three years. Every time people's expectations rise... They're not often met. So we all go into these things now with fairly low expectations, but goodness me, everyone brings their A game and they try their hardest because they still hold on to hope that perhaps this day, perhaps this story and perhaps this message might get through. Thank you once again for listening to Talking PFAS and feel free to leave a review on iTunes. Thanks very much. See you next time. All the information and audio in today's episode is copyright. Please contact me for permissions. Thank you.